Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And yes, I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. And let's take a look at one verse. We have examined this verse before, but I want to dig a little deeper on it today. This is Psalm 115, and let's reacquaint ourselves with verse 14, which says, May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Now, it says, May the Lord give you increase more and more. I think it's very important that we understand that increase begins in the mind. Perhaps you were raised in a challenging situation. I was raised in a very poor state and we didn't even have paved roads. We had gravel roads, but there was just poverty everywhere that we looked. And those things can affect the way that you view the world. And you could have been raised in a home of wealth and prosperity, but perhaps your parents maybe had like a Scrooge spirit, like a very stingy spirit. And therefore you don't, you don't have the increase in your mind. So increase begins in the mind. If you have the wrong mindset, it will hinder you from experiencing the increase that God has prepared for you. So the way you think shapes your personal world. Praise God. This is very, very important to have uh, not just an understanding that God wants you to increase, but that you have increased thinking. Now I want to ask you a question. So tell me if maybe you've, you've ever heard this or perhaps uh, you have even said this. Have you ever heard the statement? I can't afford it. Or how about this one? I don't have the money. Wow. Well, my friends, I would submit to you that if you want to get into the increase that God has for you, then you have to become an increased thinker and you need to begin to move away from those type of statements and move away from that way of thinking. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, why should we do that? Because increase is connected to increase thinking. And an increased thinker realizes, understands that it doesn't matter really what it costs. The price tag or the cost is not the issue. The thing that matters is that you can afford it if the terms and the conditions are right. I want to say that again. An increased thinker realizes that it doesn't matter what something costs. They can afford it if the terms are right. You know, years back when my wife and I and our daughter were traveling in a motor home, we traveled all over the country preaching and teaching the gospel. 
And we started off in Southern California. We moved to North Carolina, but we drove in the motorhome all the way. And we're preaching in churches along the way. And then we would drive from North Carolina, maybe down to Texas, and then from Texas, maybe to New Mexico, uh, excuse me, over to New Mexico, maybe then up to Montana. And then, I mean, we were just zigzagging all over the country. And then maybe we would go back to California. And one time we went from California and we went all the way to the East Coast and went all the way up to Rhode Island. I mean, we got to see the nation in a very up close and personal way that's very different from the airplane view, praise God. And so it was a really wonderful time. We did that for three years, nonstop, just traveling. We, we had really no set home. We had put everything into a storage unit and we were just on the road nonstop all the time, uh, ministering and preaching, like I said, from state to state. And we traveled in a beautiful 30-foot Class A motorhome. The motorhome only had 12,000 miles on it. The carpet was brand new, and it, uh, you know, it had a big V10 engine, and so it had plenty of power, and we just had a great time really traveling all over and preaching and, and doing it in a very comfortable way. But you know what? Somebody might say, well, Pastor Stephen, I can never do that. I can never afford the price to go out and pay, you know, the six-figure numbers for, a, you know, a Class A motorhome like that. I couldn't do that. I, you know, if God called me into the ministry to travel, uh, I don't know, and to be an itinerant-type minister like that, I don't know how I would do it. Well, you know what? Somebody might say that you can't afford to do that, but I just realized that as the Lord was calling me, he was working with help. He was helping me to work with my mind. And you realize you don't have to go traditional routes. And I, I knew somebody that had a motor home that, and they weren't using it. Did you know that the average motor home, it doesn't matter if it's the 45 foot class, a motor home or a Prevost bus or whatever the case might be. The average motor home is only used two weeks out of the year. <laughs> So people buy these usually when they're older in life and they have these plans to travel the country and stuff like that, but it never really works out. It is a truth because I, you know, I was in that world for three years full time. Uh, but it is a truth that with the motorhome, the tires rot before the tires ever wear out because of usage by putting too many miles on them. So in other words, the reason you replace the tires on the motorhome is not because you put so many miles on it, you wore them out. No, the reason 95% of the time that tires are replaced on motorhomes is because they've been sitting for so long, they have rotted. <laughs> now they never tell you that when you buy a $500,000 motorhome but that, excuse me, that's the reality. And if you ever drive somebody uh, or drive by some of these big outdoor covered parking areas where you can park your boat or park your motorhome, look at all the motorhomes that are parked there. Why? Because most people hardly ever, ever use them. Maybe one week out of an entire year, the whole of the time they're sitting there not being used. So I knew this person, uh, they had this beautiful motorhome. They weren't using it. And I said, Hey, why don't you let me take over the payments? Because I also knew that they were under financial pressure. I said, why don't you let me take over the uh, payments on the motorhome? I'll pay the monthly payment. I will pay the insurance. I'll make sure that it's maintenance and that it's serviced and well taken care of. And I'll use it to preach the gospel. I'll take it and use it to preach the gospel. And the person initially didn't want to do it, but I knew God was in it. But I said, how come you don't want to like uh, make this agreement? And the person basically said, I just, I don't know if you can make the payment. 
And I said, I said, I believe I will make the payment and that I'll never be late. And just a few days after that, the person said, you know what? Go ahead and take it. And I took it. We were never late on the payment. And we took this beautiful class, a 30 foot motorhome loaded with all the bells and whistles and drove it all over the country. And we did all of that for only $412 a month. See, when you have an increased way of thinking, you realize that you really can get into something if God wants you to get into it. And the price may look like an impenetrable wall that you can't go through, but the price is not an issue for an increased thinker. Why? Because all that matters are the conditions or the terms. And if those are agreeable, boom, next thing you know, you're in. And so we drove that motor home. And, you know, I, I did know that the loan that he, when he financed the motor home, I knew it was a really bad loan. But I knew that the payments were something that if I took over, I could handle the payments. So I took over and we drove it for three years and I put miles on it, had a fantastic time. And our daughter was homeschooled and uh, we had a cat. We found a cat along the way and the cat became a part of the traveling ministerial family. Praise the Lord. So we had a, oh, and a dog. <laughs> so um, it was great. But after three years, the ministry kept growing to a degree where I would have invitations to come and minister, but I can't, I can't get there fast enough. Now in a motorhome, I need, we need to transition over to, uh, you know, flying. And so I parked the motorhome and then we would begin to fly, you know, jump on Delta, jump on American airlines or whatever, and fly out of Charlotte and go to a, uh, another city and minister. And I, I realized I'm not using the motorhome anymore. And I realized that phase is over because I don't have time to drive for five days before I get to where I've got to speak. I don't have that much downtime anymore. So I said, well, Lord, it was there when I needed it. And I said, but I don't need it anymore. And right after that, the person that, uh, you know, still had the motor home in his name while I'm making the payments, he called and said, you know what? My financial situation has gotten so bad. I'm going to file bankruptcy and if you don't need that motorhome anymore, I'll just roll it into the, uh, the bankruptcy and I'll get rid of it. He, cause he said, I don't need it and I can't pay for it. I said, well, I don't need it anymore. It's actually just parked. <laughs> it's sitting, not doing anything. He goes, okay, I'll take it off your hands. And he said, just leave the, leave the keys in it. And I left the keys in it and the, uh, whoever these guys were came and picked it up and they were gone. And when I needed it, Boom, it was there, and when I was done with it, boom, it was gone. I'm telling you what, uh, somebody said, well, how, how could you do that? How could you take your family and just travel all over the nation? I mean, that's like a, almost like an ongoing vacation. I know you're working, but you're getting to see all of these beautiful places. And, uh, and well, we did it because when you are an increased thinker, you realize that the overall cost is not what really matters. It's, can you afford the terms if the terms are right? Mm, 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 mm. Wow. You know, my wife and I, uh, years back, we were looking at this beautiful home that was for sale in Moravian Falls. I mean, uh, it was right within the prophetic hub. You know, there's prophets living all over the place. And uh, uh, it's just, it was a really beautiful home, but the price was pretty high. I mean, it was out of the range for most people. And, um, you know, it's, it's for sale with traditional, you know, financing, go get your loan at the bank, whatever, and then come and, you know, make an offer and bid on it, buy it. Um, 
But it was high-priced, and nobody was biting on the home or anything like that. And it sat on the market really for about three weeks. And this was when the market was hot. And, uh, you know, so I kind of lost track of what was going on with that. Then one day I realized that somebody had bought it, and I asked a friend who lived in that community, I said, who bought that home? He said, oh, he said a lady moved up from Florida, a Christian spirit-filled lady. She, she moved up from Florida, and, and uh, she, she'd hardly had any money at all. She just went and knocked on the door of the home and asked the owner one-on-one, -on -one, hey, I know your home's for sale, but would you consider allowing me to buy it with owner financing? He said, yeah, I'll do that for you because there was favor and there was a connection in the spirit. And she bought that home and lives there today. And uh, I tell you what, my friends, you need to get over not just into the belief that God wants you to increase, but you want to have an increase mentality. Praise God. I could go on and on with stories of properties that I have bought uh, through non-traditional ways because I had increased thinking and I was able to buy properties that others, uh, maybe they didn't qualify for, or maybe they couldn't get whatever the case was. And I was able to do that. Praise God. So I would say this, don't pursue money, rather pursue right thinking. In other words, to help your thinking, memorize scriptures like Psalm 115, verse 14, that the Lord wants you to have increase more and more. I mean, get that into your heart. Get, it, get that into your thinking. Renew your mind with that. And it's not only for you, but it's for you and your children. So you must have right thinking or else your belief system won't accept it. In other words, if God wants to get you into a new car, but you think a new car is a waste of money and that instead maybe you can ride a, a old wore out motor scooter or something like that, uh, you know, what are you going to do when it rains or what are you going to do when it's winter time? But yet you have an allergic reaction to a new, to a new or a new car. Uh, so God, in other words, God can't get you into that if you have wrong thinking. So you must have right thinking or else your belief system formed by negative circumstances, formed by hardships that perhaps you were raised in, it won't accept what uh, level of increase God wants to boost you in. Praise God. So remember this, as we're going to bring the tithe and offering now into the storehouse. It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside of you. Let's say with, uh, you know, uh, perhaps economic struggles that the nation could be facing because that's cyclical. That stuff goes on nonstop all the time. And it has for generations past throughout all nations of the earth. So it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside of you. If the right thinking is happening on the inside of you, Woo! praise God. Okay. One more time with that one. It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside of you. If the right thinking is happening on the inside of you, there's always a way forward. There's always a way upward. You have to think, but you have to have increased thinking. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, pastor Stephen, you sure have a beautiful home up on the hill. Yes. Well, Pastor Stephen, not only do you have the nice home in the subdivision, your home uh, consists of four lots. Yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice spread. 
Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, wow, how did you get into that? I'll tell you exactly how I got into that. The gift of faith, which is one of not, which is one of the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith came on my wife, and she went to the number one realtor in our county, who is a no baloney type guy. And she said to him, and he's not a believer. She said to him, I want to buy that house on the hill. Go ask him if he'll do owner financing for us because I believe he will. And the realtor said, um, okay, because that's like that, that stuff just doesn't happen. You know, like for realtors that are really successful and you're selling million dollar homes, like he has multi-million dollar homes. That's like, uh, oh, okay. So he goes and asks, and the, the, the owner of the home said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Tell him I'll do it. Woo! And the next thing you know, we've bought the home. And then, you know, we get him, uh, we get his, our loan commitment with him fulfilled. And he's paid off and he's out and he's got his money and he's happy. And now we're living there. Praise God. I'm just telling you that it takes increased thinking. It's not just enough to believe God for increase, believe God for increase. You have to think increase. Praise God. And I see you at the top also. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, as you're bringing in your tithe, as you're sowing seed by the giving of offerings, I want you to do so with an increased way of thinking. Praise God. You may even want to write on your check or as you send your money in online, you may just want to put Psalm 115 verse 14 and watch what God will do for you. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're mailing in your tithe, your offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes, your offering in on the Internet, you can do so from anywhere in the world as long as you have an Internet connection, okay? You can go to, or actually maybe a 4G or 5G connection if you do it on your phone. You can go to stephenbrooks.org. And there on the homepage, there's a red heart. It says give. You can click that and you can give. Bring your tithes and offerings in right there. Also, if you want to do it differently, there's the headers at the top of the website. And one of them says online giving. You can click that and it takes you to a, a, a page and it says fund Click that and a little drop down menu will drop down and then you can select where you want your giving to go. There's the area for the tithe. There's the area for an offering. If you want to give an offering, praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are bringing the tithes, the offerings in. They're honoring you. They're worshiping you with their finances. And I pray, Father, for, from this day forward that your people will work with their mind in the area of their thinking concerning increase, that they will receive your word, that you want to increase them more and more, and that they will thank in agreement with your word. And I thank you, Father God, they are going to see amazing solutions and amazing ways forward. They're going to see the increase. Father, bless your people greatly. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Woo, praise God. I tell you, I just love that verse. And God's going to give you increase more and more. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's jump into today's message.
I want to talk about uh, how the Lord right now is mobilizing his army, uh, the church. And remember, the church is made up of individuals. So this would, in a sense, be how God is mobilizing you as we interact together. And we are in the last days. We want to have a good understanding prophetically where we're at so that we can have the, um, the right outlook and uh, that we experience these great things that God is doing in this hour. I believe this is a very timely message, a very prophetic message. So let's pray before we jump into it. Father, we thank you for your word, that your Holy Spirit illuminates your word as we need it. We thank you that it is our spiritual food, and we thank you that you are supplying the food that we need to sustain us. Father, we thank you that you know what we need, just as our bodies sense the minerals and vitamins or the type of food that we need to eat to stay healthy. And we thank you for feeding us with the finest of the wheat. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, let's jump over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, praise the Lord. And go to a very famous verse. Praise the Lord. And that would be verse 4. Let me catch up real quick by getting a drink of hot tea. 1 John 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God, that would be you as a believer, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Praise the Lord. You overcome the world, the world system, and everything in it of its sinful fallen nature. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. How do you do it? Our faith. So through our faith, which is why I put such an emphasis on this in my teachings, through faith, that is how we overcome the world, everything in it, whether it's uh, temptation, whether it's things the devil would try to do to put roadblocks and barriers in one's life. We overcome through our faith. But you need to know that you are an overcomer. You don't want to see yourself as a defeated type victim who one day will cross over the glory and then finally you can enjoy victory. No, the Lord wants you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's actually the world system. He wants you to walk through it and know that you are protected and that you are overcoming as you go. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to Second Thessalonians. Of course, these would be the two letters that Paul, the apostle, wrote to the church there in Thessalonica. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and look just for a moment at what is holding back the evil that is in the earth from overtaking the earth. There's something holding it back. It's just like the oceans of the world, the Pacific, the Atlantic, and the others. They can have these raging storms, maybe even have a tsunami and a surge wave comes in, but it goes back. And so for some reason, these great oceans cannot overflow their certain uh, boundary line that God keeps them in. Praise the Lord. It's the same way with evil. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's drop down to verse 2. Actually, verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This would be a reference to the Antichrist, an individual under the complete control and influence of Satan himself. Verse five, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Wouldn't that uh, had, uh, don't you wish that Paul could have recorded that onto a DVD and uploaded it onto the internet so that we could have seen Paul's very specific end time teachings of the sequence of end time events and jump into those meetings? Well, in, a, in essence, the Holy Spirit will give us that through the word of God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things and now you know what is restraining or holding back that he may be revealed in his own time. Now there is something holding back or else we would be overrun with evil. Our nation, as you know, is having enough problems and enough challenges right now as it is. It seems like uh, well, it doesn't seem like it. There is, there is some type. I won't get into it uh, in detail because of all of the logarithms that search for certain words to endeavor to ban those that would speak those words. But there is an evil entity that is at work in the current administration, working through individuals behind the scenes to unleash every form of perversion, wickedness, corruption, and evil possible upon this nation. And then with an effort to propagate it to the other nations that receive money from our country that receive benefits from our country. They also have to swallow this wicked agenda in order for the money to keep coming. But there's still something that's holding it back to keep it from going all the way where all morals just collapse where, where every form of law in order just decays and falls apart. No, there is still something. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So the antichrist will have his own time, but you know what? It's not his time right now. It is not his time right now. It is actually the time for the church. And you're going to see that God's going to do something where the world it's going to have to step back and let the church come through because the church has an assignment to complete and God is going to begin to move in some very unusual ways in some ways that we have not been before. And that's why I want to endeavor to get this message over to you today so that you don't have fear. You know what's going on and you can work with God's agenda and move with his army on the earth while you're also sinking with the angelic army to see the great harvest of souls pulled in here at the end of the age. So what is the restraining force? Verse seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, some theologians say that the restrainer or this restraining entity would be human governments. But you know what? Even when the antichrist is ruling and reigning, there will still be various governments throughout the earth. So even good governments that we could say would have less corruption still have a whole lot of corruption. So I don't believe that's what it's referring to. Although some people make some good points and we do thank God for good governments. And we pray for our leaders 
so that they would make wise decisions because righteousness is what lifts up a nation and sin, especially sin that's legalized and condoned is what pulls a nation down. So it's not human government that's restraining. Some people say, well, it's the Holy spirit. He is the restrainer. And they, they say that that, that restraint is removed or he's removed when the antichrist comes, but that's not true either. Now I do agree that the Holy spirit is doing his work, but the Holy spirit will still be here through the tribulation period because there will be people getting saved. There will be 12,000 Jewish believers, not just Jews, but 12,000 Jewish believers from every tribe and they will be believers in Christ. So the Holy Spirit is obviously still working, bringing those who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord to a place of belief and salvation and trust in the Lord. Praise God. Well, who is the restrainer? It's the church. It's the Holy Spirit working through the church, but the church is the restraining force. Praise God. So I say that because I don't want you to be nervous about all of these shakings that are taking place in the earth, whether it's war between Russia and Ukraine, whether it's China threatening Taiwan or, or these various things that are going on, the Lord doesn't want you to be nervous because Jesus has already defeated Satan and he has defanged the devil and he has given the authority back to the church. Adam originally had that authority. We see that in the garden of Eden, but he lost the authority when he turned it over to Satan and Satan reigned up until the point that Jesus triumphed over him at the cross through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And Jesus gave his authority to the church. That's why he said, go ye or you go into all the world. So he is, he is deputizing you and I as his disciples, as his believers to go and do the works that he did himself. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we asked, we have to ask ourselves who actually has dominion in the, in the earth today. And that dominion, you know, many people would attribute it completely to the devil and the devil is going nuts and going crazy right now because he's running out of time and he's, he's trying to stir up trouble everywhere, but still he's not the one that has the true dominion. Neither is the UN, the United Nations, nor the IMF or any other global or government type entity. It is the church and outside forces. You have to understand as a believer outside forces do not have the authority to dictate your life, what you believe, what you say, what you watch or don't watch or what you eat or wh whatever it might be. We see this in first John chapter four. Let's turn over there just for a moment. Verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you, that's the Holy Spirit, is greater, not less than, is greater than he who is in the world. Praise God. So Jesus took the devil's teeth out. Satan is still out there, and he has authority over everybody that's in darkness 
who is not in Christ. He has authority over them, but he does not have authority over the believer. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 just for a moment. We're going somewhere today on a brief journey. Genesis 1, and let's take a look at verse 26. So Genesis is the book of beginnings, but what was lost at the beginning has now been restored back to the believer. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion. Please say that right now. Let them have dominion. That is the initial assignment that God gave to man to have dominion. And that dominion has been given back to man. Satan took it away. But Jesus, as the second Adam, came and took back what the first Adam lost. And so we now have dominion given back to us. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 59, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and I know many of us have experienced those attacks that can be uh, almost like overwhelming. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And the word standard there in the Hebrew is referring to a war banner. So when the enemy comes in, we stand against him. We don't take a white flag and wave a banner of a white flag, which represents surrender. In other words, we don't say, well, Mr. Devil, I guess you do have more power than us. I guess you're endeavoring to work through wicked people to shut us all down so that we can't meet publicly as a church or that we can't uh, pray or we can't uh, mention the name of Jesus or whatever. We understand that, but we are the ones that have the true authority. We are the ones that are not only praying, but are uniting and mobilizing together so that God's work in the earth is accomplished. The church's destiny is fulfilled. And then when we've done our job, then when we've finished all that the Lord has told us to do, which is to preach the gospel to all the nations, then and only then shall the end come. But up until then, we are going to continue to exercise the authority we have to take dominion for the preaching of the gospel to all of the world. Praise the Lord. So when the enemy would even come in like a flood against your life, or against a nation through gates of hell that have been opened through wicked and compromised people, then what the Spirit of the Lord does is He lifts up a standard against the enemy to stop that work. Praise God. Now, I like how Prophet Walter Butler, who had two direct attacks from Satan against his life, where Satan came personally. In one of these attacks, it was even a personal uh, encounter where Satan challenged Brother Butler uh, on something he had just received from the Lord. And when it seemed, Brother Butler said, when it seemed like the attack was just about to overwhelm him, where the devil was even going to break and snap his mind, the Spirit of the Lord rose up in Brother Butler, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke actually to him. Isaiah 59, verse 19, but he said it, Brother Butler said he said it in a little bit of a different way. This is what the Holy Spirit said. 
When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up an armed resistance against him. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Now we know the armed resistance is not lifting up a gun because uh, Satan is a spirit entity. So, you know, what, uh, what's a bullet going to do? Nothing. And we lift up prayer. We lift up faith and God begins to move on the scene. And sure enough, the spirit of the Lord gave brother Butler a great victory that day. And that victory launched him into a ministry that took him to over 100 nations of the world that he preached in praise God. So there's always victory for the believer as we move forward, establishing God's kingdom in the earth, taking new territory, praise the Lord. There is a breakthrough that is coming for you this year. This year has been designated by God as a breakthrough year for his people. But I must also say that it's going to be a very difficult year for the wicked. I would even say that in many ways it's going to be a terrible year for the wicked. But you know what? For many of those that are sinners, they only even consider God when everything that they else have trusted in their wealth, their money, or whatever it might be, their savings accounts, whenever they begin to feel uh, pressure or distress, those are the only times they ever consider God. Because most people that don't know the Lord never want to give him, give him the time of day unless they really need him. Well, there's going to be many, be many uh, wicked people that are going to be needing the Lord because we're at a time right now where God's now able to do some things. I want to explain why in just a moment, some of these things, we haven't seen them before, but these things are going to begin to break forth. I believe this year, James chapter five. Now one time this would have been, let me think just for a moment. I believe in the year 2014, 2014, maybe, maybe it was 2013, right at the end of that latter, in the fall of 2013, I think. I actually had a situation where the Lord came and took me in a vision, a spiritual experience, but he took me actually into the book of James. So uh, that's kind of hard to explain from a, from the realm of a, of a physical world reality, but in the spirit realm, uh, these books in some ways, it's like they're a house that you could walk into and you not only can read the scriptures of that book, but you can, you can sense the mood or the attitude or the heart of what was being conveyed by that author as the Holy Spirit was inspiring them to write what they wrote. And so I was actually taken into the book of James and it was a very, very beautiful experience. I've, I've been taken into two books, the book of James. And one time the Lord took me into the book of Job. Wow. Cause you can, you can interpret Job in many different ways, depending upon the filter of your, of how you're interpreting, how this conversation is going back and forth. And you could spin that different ways because uh, you know, what's being conveyed is this anger is this sarcasm. Or is this a genuine question? Is this a put down statement? Or, you know, so when you, when you read it with the true feeling, it really does come alive in a special way. Woo. Praise God. You know, I told Dr. Wade Taylor one time, I said, um, I said, Wade, I said, the Lord has taken me into a couple of books of the Bible. 
He says, he has. I said, yes. He said, well, that's wonderful. He said, usually the only people I've ever heard had that happen to would be the old-time Pentecostal preachers. <laughs> because some of those would talk about those type of experiences. Now, I know it's still happening because it's a big planet. Amen. But I am honored that the Lord would grace me with an experience like that. So let's talk just for a moment today from the book of James, chapter 5, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. And it's been building up. It's been building up. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the what? Now watch it very carefully. You have heaped up treasure. And they've heaped it up. Many have put it in uh, areas of security where they think it can never, ever be accessed. But God, watch, God's going to begin to tap it and to drain it. Some of these people are going to come to the Lord and get saved, and they're going to open these storehouses that have been built up, some of them for several hundred years, and they're going to begin to release that wealth for the work of world evangelism and for, for works that God has decreed to be done for the kingdom expansion throughout the earth of souls being saved and God, God's word just being taught day and night all over the place. But others will resist, but God still holds the key and he also has the right to do what he's going to be soon doing. Now watch this. You have heaped up treasure when? In the last days. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. There is more wealth and there's more treasure in the earth that has been heaped and piled up ever than ever before in the history of the world. There are more billionaires than the world has ever seen before. There are billionaires that have so much money. They... They can, they can just go off and buy a 300-foot yacht because they really just don't know what to do with their money. And they have so much with it, so much of it, that, you know, after a while, you can only buy so many things. So what do you do with it? Well, a lot of them have used it as leverage or manipulation to help push wrong agendas, to help do things that are very, very ungodly. So... It says, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who have mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. I, I won't get into the area of fraud, but the way that entire nations have been defrauded, especially the continent of Africa, with, uh, you know, Zimbabwe, for, formerly Rhodesia, and all, some of these other countries where their resources were just plundered plundered by, you know, by the UK or these, these types of things, or by Mr. Rhodes, Cecil Rhodes. And these were very, very wicked, wicked people. Mr. Rhodes was a pedophile. He had all of these young uh, children, uh, little boys. He called them his angels and his lambs that he sexually abused. What an absolute filthy pervert. 
So when you hear somebody in America at one of these Ivy League schools saying, I'm a Rhodes Scholar, uh, you got a scholarship from an absolute pervert. But yet he had so much money, and although he's been dead for many, many decades, all of that wealth is still stored up, and it's being used to continue to promote what really would lead towards eventually one world government, one world economic system. That's all those guys ever wanted anyhow, and a one world leader who would be the Antichrist. But something's going to happen because it's not their time yet for their guy to shine, which will be the Lucifer shine, shining through their Antichrist, but it's the hour of the church first. Praise God. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. And again, the, the fraud is not just for a, a continent. The fraud has been worldwide. South Africa, uh, excuse me, South America has been defrauded. Uh, Africa, especially defrauded. Fraud going on all over the place. But it says, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now, some have just gone through that verse very quickly, and they say, uh, the Lord of the Sabbath. But that's not what this is saying. The Lord of Sabaoth is one of the very rare references. There's another one in the book of Romans, but one of the very rare references to what we would call one of the old compounded names of God. Because in the Old Testament, God's name was so magnificent that, you know, his name was compounded. In other words, like Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tzidkanu. Well, this is the Lord of Sabaoth. This is Jehovah Savah, and it means the Lord of hosts. Jehovah, if you, were, if you were to read it like an English type pronunciation, it would be Jehovah Tzavah. But in the Hebrew is Jehovah Savah. And it means the Lord of hosts, which is a reference to God as the captain of the angelic armies. And so we see that the storing up for treasure in the last days, and it, so much of this has been done. Now, if it's done legally by a good company, and they've got their billions or they got their trillion or whatever, uh, hey, you earned it, okay, we, we, we understand that. But even many who have earned it legally, they're still using their vast wealth and resources to promote great wickedness in the earth. And many of you know uh, many examples of that. But God's going to begin to tap, and God's going to begin to drain those reservoirs, those cisterns of end-time wealth, and He's going to begin to shift it over to the believers in the church who want to be a part of His kingdom plan of seeing the gospel preached to the whole world. Mm -mm. Woo, praise God. First Kings chapter 17 is very interesting. Go there just for a moment. Verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now watch this. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith. Your provision is always tied to being in the right location. Okay, 
by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. I remember uh, like a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, probably a little closer to three years ago, I had taught uh, a sermon and I mentioned this story right here. And I told the audience that, yes, while Elijah is out there hiding out by the brook, the ravens went off and flew off to old King Ahab's palace and went there and grabbed the two kosher hot dogs that he was having in his kitchen that he was going to have his butler or chef go out and cook on a grill. And the, the chef goes looking for the hot dogs and they're gone because earlier the ravens went in and grabbed the little hot dogs with their little feet and flew off with them and grabbed some sourdough or some pita bread as well and brought it to the prophet in hiding. And I remember that after I had preached that message that uh, myself and my, my wife and our church staff, we went out and we had lunch. And one of the workers was laughing and said, oh, Pastor Stephen, that was so funny and so silly how you told the story about the raven with his little feet grabbing the hot dog from old King Ahab. Oh, that was so funny. You can really tell some wild, silly stories, Pastor Stephen. Are you ready for this? Can I, can I share with you what I read yesterday before presenting this to you? Did you actually know that the rabbis have recorded in the Gemara and it's cited in Sanhedrin note 113a cited by uh, Radak that according to the Jewish rabbis, the ravens went to the palace of King Ahab and they took the meat and the bread from Ahab himself and went and sent it and flew it to the prophet. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess your stories, maybe sometimes they're not, maybe they're more than something just to make me laugh. Yes, that's probably actually what happened. By the way, who else is going to have meat, fresh meat, or even dried meat, salted meat, in a time when it hasn't rained for three and a half years, and there's like basically now a famine, who else has meat? The king, the king, and the rabbis taught that's where it came from. So yes, this again is just like another example of a wealth transfer. God taking it from the wicked, taking it from the wicked and giving it to the righteous. And who else in the world could figure out where's it going? How's it leaking? How are we losing our food? Who was taking our food supplies? Find them and kill them. Who would have thought the ravens are doing it? Who in the world would have thought that the ravens are doing it? Now, they, now a raven could bring something in. They like shiny things, but to take it and fly it out, God has his ways. God will always take care of you. I don't want you to be nervous. I don't want you to be in fear. There can be shakings all around you, but I want you to keep your mind on the things of God, a mind of increase because God's lifting you up. This is the time for the church to shine while the world panics and struggles and while wicked people who have plundered the wealth even of their own nation and, and of the citizens of their own nation who have no, they have no regard for people's well-being. Those people are going to one day, very soon, I believe even this year, 
behind closed door meetings, when they get together and they talk with their directors, they're going to say in desperation, it's not working anymore. It's not working the way that we have been previously able to plunder them and pull the wool over their eyes and extract billions and billions of dollars from them. It's not, there's going to come a point where it's going to start to go backwards. It's going to start to go backwards and we're going to take it and we're going to use it to preach the gospel. And we're going to take it and use it to preach the, the righteousness of God throughout all the earth. Remember, remember this, the more that God brings into your hands, the greater the level of your consecration and your dedication to the Lord, it must, there must be, because there will be plenty of opportunities that will be sent to you to compromise, to sell out, especially when you have comfort, especially when you have strength, there'll be all kinds of knocks and secret emails and all kinds of uh, little bitty notes passed, giving you opportunity to sell your soul solely for the sake of financial gain or for people to like you, or maybe for fame, or maybe they'll, maybe they will take you to the Kennedy center and give you a special honor. Mm -mm. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in hobnobbing with sinners so I can get my picture taken with a bunch of sinners who hate God and actually not only hate God, hate the church and hate the nation of Israel. Have you ever noticed that everything having to do with the trans agenda or the LGBTQT, whatever, have you ever noticed that their ideology, which from my perspective, from a biblical perspective is sexual, what God calls sexual perversion. Have you ever noticed they also hate and despise the nation of Israel? Why does that go together? Why is it that they hate God's morals and they also somehow just happen to hate Israel? Wow, what an interesting coincidence that you guys all have that in common. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. So we are going to use it for a righteous way, but you must be completely committed to the Lord. Stay with the Lord. Stay very close to the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe that you're going to have the best year this year that you've ever had in your life before. And let me end by saying that. And there's nothing that the devil can do about it because he doesn't have dominion over you. He does not have dominion over you. Praise God. So this is going to be the best year that you've ever had. Look, if the sinners want to start getting ahead of the curve and get ready for the antichrist, they can go ahead and eat the crickets and the bugs. But Stephen Brooks ain't eating crickets and bugs. I'm not going to do that. They're not going to feed me crickets and bugs. If they want to do that, they can go ahead and start doing that. They can put it in their snack pack. They can eat it for lunch. I'm not going to eat that. And until the church is taken out of the earth with the catching of, of the saints, we're going to eat healthy, wholesome food. We're not eating garbage like they're wanting us to buy into. I'm not going to do that. Mm -mm. Praise God. Woo. Praise the Lord. Very quickly. Proverbs chapter 13. Many of you know this verse, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. By the way, the greatest inheritance that you could leave to your family lineage is to know the ways of God and get your grandchildren baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. I just got my grandchildren baptized in the Holy Spirit just a few weeks ago. For the first time, they spoke in tongues. They're just little, little fellows. Hallelujah. But now they can lift their hands and praise God in their heavenly language. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's the greatest legacy that you can leave them. Not your baseball cards. Not, um, not old photos. Nobody wants that stuff anyhow. Not, e not even a bag of silver or gold. But the greatest thing is to uh, get over to them somehow the understanding of how to flow with the Holy Spirit and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now that storing up has been building and building to the point where we're now in the last days and Jehovah Savah, the Lord of hosts is now beginning to move in this area. Genesis chapter six, Genesis six, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The wealth of the sinner is laid up. Now it's been laid up, but now it's going to start to get released. Praise God. Genesis 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, throughout the Bible, throughout church history, there have been wealth transfers. There have been unexplainable blessings that can only be attributed to God where God has done things to move forward his kingdom. If you look at many of the monasteries that were built throughout the UK, if you look at also, also primarily, excuse me, throughout Europe, the, the land and the monasteries upon which the lands uh, upon which the monasteries were built, that land was usually given to a holy man or holy woman who was called by God with a divine assignment, it was usually given to them by a king because the kings were the primary landowners. You had a lot of serfdom. You had a lot of peasants. You had a lot of people that uh, mainly worked the land, but the kings were the ones that actually owned the lands. And what they could do when they had these encounters with the man or woman of God and the spirit of God was moving, oftentimes their hearts were convicted and they wanted that man or woman of God to be like their spiritual advisor. And they would give them free with no strings attached, large acreages of land. And also very often the financial backing to go and be able to build a monastery. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this has run throughout church history, but we're going to run into a place now where it's going to begin to flow. Unlike anything we have ever seen before. And remember when I'm talking about the church, the church, the body of Christ is made up of individuals. I want you to expect God to be working in your life as well in this area. Praise the Lord. So verse three again, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. Now we do know that in the Bible, that after this was said, there have been many biblical characters that lived well beyond the age of 120. And even in our current time, although it is very rare for a person to go over the age of 110, there still are a few. And it was about 
what was it, about maybe 15 years ago, there was a lady from France. She lived to be 122 before she died. So this is not, in a sense, talking about a strict timeline on the cutoff age that like if you, you're 119 and 364 days, the following day God says you must die because you can't live to be over 120. That's not what this is talking about. Okay, so you have 120 years, that's the number of man. That, my friends, is speaking to the lease that God gave to man on planet Earth. It's for 120 years. Here's the catch. The Jewish rabbis teach that these 120 years are each jubilee years. How long is a jubilee? It's 50 years. In other words, there's a, there's a jubilee. The big one is every 50 years. So you take 120 years and you multiply it by 50 because that's 120 jubilee years. And you have what? 6,000 years of man's history upon earth. I don't believe in evolution. What a stupid lie to say that we came from monkeys or we crawled from an amoeba out of a swampy soup from a boiling ocean billions and millions of years ago. I do not believe that garbage and trash. Hallelujah. So humanity has been on the earth for 6,000 years. God gave man a lease on this earth. And you know what? It's up. We're right at that place. It's up. And now God legally can do some things and the devil can't say, oh, you can't do that. God, you can't do that. That's not fair. God can do whatever he wants to do. He's bound by his word. He's bound by certain laws. But God can now begin to do some things that have never been done in the church before. You're going to begin to see now the flow of the wealth of the wicked. They're going to lose it. They're going to, they can, it's like, it's like, pockets with holes in it. And it's going to begin to go like a magnetic pull to the believers who will use it for the furtherance of God's kingdom in the earth. What is the purpose of this? To capture the long prophesied one billion soul harvest. Hallelujah. Now we understand that as the gospel is preached worldwide, that not everybody is going to receive it, but everybody at least deserves the opportunity to hear it in a clear, well-presented way at least once. Now what they do with it, once they hear it, we pray they'll receive Jesus, but that's up to them. But we have the responsibility to preach it. But let me say this also, as the Spirit is moving, and as we near the end of the age, there will be a magnificent harvest, a one billion soul harvest that will pull in. And then when the church is done, and we have completed this end time harvest, then there is the catching up of the church. And then, then the nations of the world can lock everybody down with a... Uh, global credit score with a global financial system where cash is done away with and everything's run off of a, you know, numbers and you have, uh, you know, a, a central digital currency, not just for your nation, but eventually for the whole world. You know, one good thing about governments is they are very inefficient. They move so, so slow. So while we've heard about a cashless society for years now, and we see the technology to actually go cashless, oh, because governments are so inept and so efficient and so good at wasting money and wasting resources and time, it still hasn't happened yet. 
So while you may hear about things right on the horizon, this is about to happen. We still have time to get the job done and we're going to get it done. And there's nothing that the devil can do. Although he's going nuts. There's nothing though that he can do to preempt God's time calendar. Why the devil has to work on God's calendar. God's not working on Satan's calendar. Satan has to work with God's calendar and the end time harvest has been prophesied. The end time wealth transfer has been prophesied and we're going to see the billion soul harvest. We're going to get the job done and there's nothing that the devil can do to shut us down. Nothing. Nothing. And even when the enemy comes in like a flood, even when the government leadership is totally corrupt, everybody's bought and paid for. Okay. You still have those who stand against it. You still have those who draw a line in the sand and say, we'll never compromise. And we've got some really good government uh, leaders. We've got some really rotten ones that are rotten to the core, but you know what? This is the church's hour. The church is now being mobilized by the Holy spirit and Jesus, the head of the angelic armies, is helping the church to get into a place of unity or an organization where we not only begin to stand against the wickedness of the hour, but we begin to mobilize and begin to get the gospel preached as resources are being released unlike anything the church has ever seen before. My friends, I want to encourage you with the greatest emphasis I can in my heart to please get up early and pray and wait on the Lord. Do not be spiritually asleep at this time with what God is doing at this time. I not only want you to be involved in this and to ride this anointing of the spirit. I want you to be at the forefront of it. I want you to be up there at the front with breaking, leading testimonies of what God is doing for you. And I'm getting them. I'm getting reports of people having their debts wait, uh, uh, just wiped out, paid off, canceled, and things like that. But these things are just breaking through, breaking through. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Many of the old time ministers saw it. They saw it, but they also to a degree knew it wasn't for them, but we are those that will experience it, that will work with the Holy spirit and will do all that we can to see the gospel preached. Amen. I think about Charles Capps prophecy way back in 1978 about the great end time wealth transfer. My friends, I'm telling you that we are there. I believe this earth lease of 6,000 years, we are at that little sliver where it's just about to run out or could have core. It could this year run out completely because the catch is, is that with these calendars, even with the Hebraic calendar, there are times where they can't, uh, they can't for certainty know how to fill in certain gaps. So they've done the best they could. But from what I've heard also from some of the world's leading scholars on time is exactly where we're at. We're at the end of the 6,000 years and God's going to be doing some things that have never been seen before. Praise God. Get ready. Get ready. This is going to be the greatest year yet that you've ever lived. You're going into the glory. Please lift your hands up. Father, I thank you for your people that are watching today. I pray father that you help them to catch the 
the solemnness or the weighty glory of this, along with the joyful heart to bring the right balance, but also a sobriety of knowing uh, the purpose of this moving of your spirit, and that they would also grasp that with great increase comes the requirement, the necessity for great consecration, great devotion to you. So I pray, Father, for your people that they will arise early and seek your face, waiting on you, spending time with you, so that they can be unshakable stewards of the resources that you are bringing into their hands. I thank you, Father, that everything can change in one day, and for many, that will be the case. Now, we give you all of the praise. We thank you in Jesus' name, and we all say, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's program and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, let me say that He is the only mediator between God and man. There is nobody else. It's not the Dalai Lama. He's been caught kissing and making out with little boys. Okay? We, look, if you could see what goes behind so many of these world religions, it's nothing but perversion. And I've known it. I've traveled all over the world and all of these so-called, quote, a guru holy men. Behind the scenes, they're all perverts. Mm -mm. I remember when I was in India years back, one of these so-called ultra-holy gurus who was worshipped as a living avatar, as some kind of God becoming flesh. Everybody worshipped him and... And I knew the guy was a pervert the whole time. And I have a spiritual son who was actually, when he was a little child, taken capture by that guy's, you know, uh, bodyguards or whatever. And he was supposed to be part of the child's sacrifice. But the other person, the other young girl, actually did get sacrificed. He escaped. He said, oh, Pastor Stephen, that person's an absolute pervert. Yeah. So that person died. Once that so-called guru died, then all the nasty stories came out of what he had been doing the whole time. Molesting and raping little children, stuff that's incomprehensible for the normal person to even think about. You think, how can people be so wicked? Let all their wealth be plundered. Their whole kingdoms were built on lies, wickedness, and evil. Let good be done with these resources where good things are done and people are not pushed down in the mud and sins not propagated, but it's called out for what it is. If you're watching me and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you having a snowball's chance in hell of making heaven. God is so holy and so pure. You can never get to heaven on your own merit or your own good works. You too have sinned just as we all have. The only difference is that we have called upon the name of the Lord and he has saved us. If you haven't done that, you need to do it right now because Jesus is the only true savior, the only sinless man that ever lived. Now, if you're watching me and you used to be a Christian, but you backslidden, you got all tangled up in sin, you're all messed up. You're in the pig pen, just like the prodigal son, whether you're the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, it's time for you to come back to the father Father God, He's ready to receive you. I want you all to pray this prayer right now if you've never prayed it before, or if you've fallen away and you need to come back. Pray this now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming back to God. Jesus, I recognize that you are God. You are the Son of the living God. I believe you died on the cross, and you have been raised from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you paid the penalty for my sins. Jesus, I give you my life now. 
Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the church of the redeemed. You have now been bought with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Sure is good to be saved. Time is short. Time is short. Mm. Let's take Holy Communion together now as a church family. If you are a believer in Jesus, regardless of where you live at in the world, regardless of what tribe you may belong to in the Christian faith. Remember Israel was one nation, but composed of 12 tribes. I don't care if you're charismatic Catholic. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're, you're Baptist or Baptocostal or you're Pentecostal like me. If you love Jesus, you can take communion. If you're a believer, you can take communion. Let's do it together. Grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have these little wafers, go get yourself a little cracker and grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and set it apart through this prayer as being holy. And we thank you that this is the supernatural meal. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. With our physical eyes, it still looks like a little wafer and grape juice. But we are now receiving the body and the blood under the veiled cloak of bread and juice. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you. For the billion soul harvest. Put us on the front lines of this, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Flow through us every resource needed. Finances, wisdom, anointing, favor, so that we can be a part of helping you, of playing our role, along with many others, of seeing the gospel preached to all nations, so that the end can come. We thank you. In Jesus' name, for strength and wisdom, amen. Let's partake together. Some of you are concerned you'll be held back from what God is doing because of health conditions. My friends, this is the healing meal. Let the healing power of Jesus come into your body. Receive your healing as we now receive the blood. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Cleansing power, healing power. By his stripes, we were healed. Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for clear, healthy minds. Any damage done to your brain through drug usage, whether it's um, amphetamines, whether it's fentanyl, whether it's cocaine, whether it's heroin. May the Lord Jesus heal your mind now in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord heal your brain now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fire through your body right now of God's healing power receive. And Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for healing us so we can be actively involved. Our bodies up and running, being involved. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's all say amen. Praise the Lord. Soon and very soon, the Lord is coming again. 
we will go to meet him in the air. First Thessalonians chapter four. It is the catching up of saints. And then when we're gone, then the hell can break loose. But until then we continue to exercise the dominion and authority that we have so that we can get the gospel preached. God bless you. Thank you for praying into this. Thank you for being open to the Holy Spirit working through you. And you have a fantastic week. I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.